Thank you. Thank you, Jeff and, and Rowena. I, um, I really appreciate this opportunity. Don't take it lightly. Getting, uh, standing in behind anybody else's pulpit is a real honour. And it is the first Sunday of February, so it's game on. You know, it's real church time, not the practice, not pre-season in January. So I consider it a real honour to uh, be up here on this day. And I, I had to laugh as you uh, went to read that passage out of Ephesians chapter 2, because that's our core scripture as a church, and that's next Sunday in our church, uh, that passage out of Ephesians chapter 2. And it got me thinking, and um, it got me thinking about the way we've, we've looked through that passage. It's so worth just chewing on. It, it brings you into this beautiful progression. It reminds you of, of what we're a part of as followers of Jesus. And if you're exploring faith, if you're maybe testing church out and, and seeing what it means to be a part of a community that follows Jesus together, this passage is such a great place to camp out and to explore because it actually says that it tells us how God brings us into the fold. It talks about becoming citizens of heaven, about what God is doing. I worked a long time ago for uh, one of our government departments that dealt with citizenship. And citizenship has this idea behind it of both rights and responsibilities. If you only have one and not the other, things get really unbalanced. If all I've got is rights, then I'm entitled. You with me? Everyone ever, all right, yep, that's mine and I deserve that and I get this, but I become incredibly entitled. If all I've got is responsibilities, then I'm, I'm kind of a slave. All I've got to do is carry weight and carry load. The two together is an incredible thing. That's what we get invited into in the kingdom of heaven. There's no bench players. In, in We talk about church as a full contact sport. Right? We're going to stand on the soccer fields later on this afternoon and yell and scream. And well, not really, we're not allowed to because they video record everything and you don't like hearing yourself back on the video recording later on so you keep your mouth shut um and there's a bench and they rotate there's just no bench players in the in the kingdom of god we're all called to be a part of what god is doing and that it goes on even more than that it says you're sort of brought into the fold and and invited into the kingdom of heaven and then you become part of a family god's family and then it says we become joined together in his house. And then it goes further and it says we are, we are joined together one to another. So together we're his house and we're joined together. We're sort of reconciled like, like a, a brick, bricks going in a wall. That's the image on our screens at, in C3B O'Connor. right now as one of our, our pastors preaches there, there's this image of bricks built into the wall together. That's this picture we're putting in front of people. And then finally it says, in this, what God is building there, He dwells by His Spirit. What an incredible progression and invitation that is to be a part of what God is doing. So we're incredibly excited for what's ahead of you guys. What a vision that was just laid out for you. Uh, I kind of want to secretly track along with your Bible journey across this year. That's so well structured and thought through. It's going to enrich your lives and really be transformative in your world. Because if this is just any other book that you could pick up, then, well... It's still good. It's still worth reading. It's still dr dramatic and exciting and insightful and poetic and beautiful. But it's so much more, isn't it? Who knows that? Who's got a Bible here today on your phone? Or just give me a little wave just so that I know. I'm not going to make you say anything strange about it. But stand up and wave it and declare things. So that's good too. But this is life, right? This book is life. 
it is transformative. It is the, the Logos, which I think is going to be on the screens behind me. We'll come back to that, that thought in a moment. Um, it is an incredible way to spend your year camping out so deliberately in God's Word. I'm sure if you've been a follower of Jesus for any length of time, you've probably approached the Bible uh, in different ways. Maybe you've done daily devotionals. Maybe you've got you know a little a little book that's led you through sections. Maybe you have systematically read through the Bible. Um, who's ever got through the whole Bible in a year? It's not a brag. It's not a boat. It's not a challenge. It's just okay. It's good. Some that works for some people. I've I've succeeded at that once. Uh, just about, <laughs> you know what, here's the secret, like I, I game things like that, like how can I help myself do this? My secret was I, I got ahead, I started in like October, so that I had a little bit of a banker up, so that if I fell behind in, you know, partway through the year, I cheated a little bit, because otherwise you're sort of like, oh no, I'm, I'm five chapters behind, I'm sunk, I'll never catch up, and so there's a, that's just a little cheat for you. Um, There's so many different ways to engage with the Word. So I'm hoping and and believing with you guys that this year there's something so fresh. Even if you've read the Bible from cover to cover so many times, there's so much more for you to journey into and discover. So I'm excited for you and really privileged to be able to share a a little bit of an opening to this series and this journey that you guys are going on. So... Um, just a, a really quick, you know, broader intro. Uh, I bring greetings from the land of parallel parking uh, down in Canberra, our nation's capital city. Parallel parking, you know, so we just park along the side of the street. It just hit me. It's because your streets are so wide, right? Because if we park along sideways, then you don't get enough cars in, but you've got so much room to park on 45 degree angles, which just kills me. We have, Canberra is divided into two camps, the reverses and the people who just park properly. And so you get into the school car park, and there's that person who's just insisting on reversing into the car, and they're having 15 goes at it, and everything stops. And, and, uh, but, but here, you've got to be a reverser, right? So I uh, feel all out of place and stressed, and gives me a little bit of anxiety, that 45. I, I, even, I said to Jeff, did I see 60 degrees somewhere? Are there like two? Are there two different... Maybe, I think I was dreaming. I don't know. I feel like I saw it, but 45 out the front, maybe 60 somewhere else. I want to go around and change the signs a little bit, just write 80 on some of them and 25 and see what it does to bring revival to Bathurst maybe. Who knows? So uh, we've got part of our crew here today, my beautiful wife, Melissa, our boy Samuel, who's going to be running around on the soccer field. We, we brought a ring in, Zach's over here. Uh, Zach's, uh, Zach was our youth leader many years ago, got uh, really kind of transformed coming into church life from a country town, a bit like this, and um, is doing prac for physio um, out in Orange. So we dragged him along here today as well, and our, our uh, kids... Uh, back in church, in home in Canberra, and I've already said greetings from um, our national team. But can I issue a special invitation to you guys? First people to actually hear this. Um, you guys are, um, as C3 Bathurst, connected into almost our, our ACT and sort of country New South Wales region. So if you, if you weren't aware, we're a movement of churches, a global movement. Um, and so we're getting together for a big party in Singapore in, about in May, about four months' time. And so far, there's like 600 Aussies trooping across. So come along, help us just dominate the global conference, please. Uh, we want to make it the Overseas Aussie Conference. Um, but every year, we gather in different ways across our country 
uh, and celebrate what it means to be C3 churches, to be on the journey together. And so Jeff and Ro and some of the team come down uh, regularly to about three or four times a year to Canberra and connect with uh, all our churches down there. And we just hang out together and encourage one another. And what we're doing, because we don't have a, an Australian conference this year because of the global one, later on this year in August 23 and 24, we're having um, a, a regional one, so down in Canberra. And we'd love to invite you guys. It's going to be Friday night, I think, and then some Saturday morning. So just a bit of advance notice. These guys will pump that more. But jump in the car, like, like get the afternoon off work, road trip it down. It took us just over three hours to get here, so you can totally do it. You can finish work a little bit early and get on down there and hang out. We'd love uh, to connect with you uh, down there as well. So time to get into the message today because I know lunch is fast running at us. Uh, We're going to share uh, around this idea of the Logos, the Word, Jesus. And I want to ask you a question to start off with. What verse in the Bible would you say takes us to the very beginning? Any, Any thoughts? Where would you say we go in the Bible to go to the very beginning of things? If you're wondering, it is a trick question, but um, we're going, we going Genesis 1. Who else is voting for Genesis 1? That's pretty good. What are the first few words, first three words of most translations of the Bible? Anyone? In the beginning. The beginning's usually the start of things, right? That's, that's a pretty common answer, but that was a trick question. And I like to just throw the cat among the pigeons today and say, I actually think that's wrong. I think Jeff's got it right. I think you do need to start in the New Testament. I think that's what you're going to do this year, right, is camp out in the New Testament for the first half of the year. I'm coming back in June to, hit, to learn about Revelation. Um, <laughs> and so we have actually a, a passage that people often call John's prologue. Anyone, anyone a fan of all the Marvel movies and those? Just give me a wave. Yeah, a few of you. Yeah, them guys at the back. Fantastic. Uh, have you noticed how they're just, that's extending and going everywhere and now you've got TV series and there's no end. It's never going to end. I think that's what we've established. It's just going to expand and expand until it takes over all of culture and everything's just going to be Marvel. Um, and they've started putting out all the movies that are people's origin stories. Like you might have seen them in action, but this is where it all really started. And you can actually, if you look at the, the root words, the original language words for two little passages that look very, exactly the same in English, they're, they're different in the original languages in the Hebrew and the Greek that uh, your Bible was originally written in. And so Genesis starts with in the beginning, and so does John chapter 1, right? In the beginning again, but then it, then it shifts just a little bit. Instead of in the beginning, God created. It says, in the beginning, the Word already existed. I was reading through just a a different translation of the Bible the other night, and it really stood out to me. It said, it it had popped one extra word in there, and it said, in the very beginning. Isn't it a funny thought to think that there are, there's where things start, and then there's something even before that. The the prologue, the, the origin story. So we have in the beginning when God created, and the, the, the language that, that that word evokes, that version of beginning, talks a little bit about things like the, the first fruits, when things started to take shape and, and come into, into life as God created. But this word for in the beginning 
has a much more authoritative, it's a big picture beginning. It's not just the start, it's what was there before the start. It's, it's a rulership and a principality. It's a foundational sort of thought of in the beginning. And so we're told that in the very beginning, the Word existed. It already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He, a little bit of a shift up there. He, all of a sudden, the Word is a person. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him. And nothing was created except through him. These are big, big, big thoughts. These are people write 600 page books about that. So God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. That's a pretty cool thought, isn't it? Everything came into existence. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought life to everyone. That's you and me. We're all included in this picture. Everything was created. This is a very, very big start. I find that so helpful when I read the word some days feeling really small, right? Or looking at, you know, thinking small thoughts about my life, thinking small thoughts are maybe about who God is and what He wants to do. But no, no, this is a very, very big picture that we're invited into. God created everything through Him and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created. His life brought light to everyone. And this light shines in the darkness, just like that verse that you started with, Jeff, out of uh, that, that image that God had given you about this year for people. This light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. I love the fact that just the tiniest little bit of light pierces any darkness. Isn't that cool? You can't sort of add a little bit of darkness to something, but you can add a little bit of light. Boom, it illuminates instantly. So this is the invitation this year. Well, the perennial invitation, but for you guys, it takes special shape this year. In the beginning, go back to the very start and dive into the Word in a fresh way. So we're told that Jesus, the, the original word for, uh, the original language word for, for the word there is this idea of logos. And I'm sure Jeff and Alina over the course of this time will, will unpack that even more and give a, give a far more scholarly interpretation of it. But what the, this, this word logos means, it's not just a Bible study program if you've come across that. It actually means the, the reason or the plan. And it was actually a concept when this was written originally that concept of Logos meant something to the culture it was written in. It's not just a, a, a fancy word. It, anyone, it wasn't just a Christian word. Anyone reading that in that culture, would have, it would have triggered a thought for them. Because this word Logos means almost like the underlying order, the reason or the plan behind everything that is, the thing that holds it all together. We live in kind of a chaotic world these days, right? It feels like you can, you, well, you can certainly get told this. You can be anything you want. You can do anything you want. You don't have to follow the steps and in the order. And you can do it all out of order. You can do it upside in and inside out, back to front. You can make yourself whoever you want to be. You can reshape yourself. You can work on your own brand and image. It's this very individualistic, high, you know, hyper-individualistic, chaotic sort of world that we live in now where everybody's sort of walking at their own rhythm. And actually, for most of human history, 
People have walked in the rhythm of groups or of communities or of history and patterns. You would maybe do the same kind of work that your parents did. Or you would, you know, you would follow in all sorts. And so there was a, a structure that our current society seems to kind of lack. And we try and bring things together. So this word, logos, it's actually saying that in the beginning, there was the word. This is talking about Jesus, the living word. He was with God. And saying, actually, Jesus, the word, the logos, gave shape and order to absolutely everything. Nothing is outside of his grasp. This is before God created. And that's the context that we sit in. And we get to engage with that through this. Now, that doesn't mean this is a book of rules and regulations, because sadly, in some cases, that's what Christians have done with God's living, breathing word. They've said, okay, here's a, a rule book. We had a bit of a debate and an argument on the soccer fields yesterday about the rules. Something happened on the field that shouldn't have happened. And to put it very politely, there were differing opinions about whether the rules were followed. And people expressed those opinions in different ways. In a building like this, you might have said, excuse me, sir, I feel like this is what happened and therefore this might happen. How do you see it? And someone else might have said, well, I, from my perspective, it happened a little bit like this. Now, there were fewer words used. The volume was higher. There were words that I probably wouldn't use in church today. Um, and it went unresolved at the end. But it's not all just rules and regulations. This, this book is not just uh, about finding out, well, how should I behave in this particular situation? Or what's, what am I allowed to do and what am I not allowed to do? It gives guidance and, and framework for life. But, but it, it's not just rules and regulations. It is life itself. It is the reason, it is the heartbeat of God given to you and I to walk with Him. Colossians chapter 1. I'm just going through chapter 1 of everything today as so we're doing Genesis 1, we can John 1, we can Colossians 1, and a little bit we'll get to Hebrews 1, and then we'll break the whole system, we'll go to Psalm 19. Um, but we could go to Psalm 1, which is kind of foundational for you guys this year as well. So Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 takes this same thought again, and Paul that uh, we mentioned earlier, this guy gave his life for the church, wrote a bunch of the New Testament, he wrote to a group of people like us in this room today, a local church. And he, the invitation for us today is to read this just like it was written to us back in those times. He says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. That right there is a challenge to the way a lot of people think. We'll come back to that in a moment. He existed before anything was created. That's just what we've unpacked from John 1, right? He existed before anything was created and he is supreme over all creation, right at the top of the pecking order. Jesus is not your co-pilot. Sorry if you had that bumper sticker or t-shirt in the 80s. Jesus is not your co-pilot. He is supreme over all creation. You're in the back seat. No. <laughs> He's supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in heavenly realms and on earth. He made all the things we can see and the things that we can't see such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created. This is a big thought, right? Everything. Everything was created through Him and for Him. And He existed, well, this verse will just blow your mind, right? 
He existed, in verse 17 it says, before anything else. And He holds all of it together, all creation, the Logos. It all is held together by Jesus. This is a big God we're getting to know, a really big God. Are you a bit like me sometimes and you make God small because it's convenient? God could fit into this box for these days of my week or these situations. Or if I could just apply him to this part of the world, my world that I haven't really got sorted. You know, I'll take care of this stuff, but God, I'm not really sure what to do with this mess. So if you could sort that out. We do that all the time. Well, I certainly do. Anybody else going to join me? Yep, till you're fantastic. We can chat about it afterwards. And we make remake God in our image. Make him small and fit him in, but... I'm hoping at the start of this journey you're on to, to kind of just keep bringing us back to this huge picture of, of who our God is. But that's kind of incomplete on its own. Because there's, there's sort of two ways that I feel like God is often viewed these days. I think less and less people think of God as non-existent or completely irrelevant. It's a really hard position to maintain, Right? All you got to do, if, if you come across somebody who says, no, it's no, it's no God, there's no organizing authority, there's no structure or shape to life, it's all just happenstance, it'll come at you, slap them. Not, just, not because you disagree with them, but just slap them and then see what they say. Because if they find that offensive and get upset about that, then you've proven them wrong. Because who says it's wrong? What if I felt like slapping you? That felt good to me. Isn't that how life works these days? If it feels good, do it. And I felt felt great. I love slapping you across the face. In fact, can I have another go? That's when you know if they're a real Christian because they'll say, sure, I'll turn the other. No, sorry, (laughs) terrible, terrible joke. Terrible. Right. So because if somebody appeals to any sense of what's right and wrong, they're immediately agreeing that there is something bigger than just my personal preference going on in the world so if I can't just slap you and you can't disagree with me then you are saying well no no no, that was wrong well according to what and who according to something bigger than just my individual preferences like we really don't we're not wired as humans to actually live the way we try and live so often there the challenge though is people tend to see God as one of two ways either distant and removed like so far like you know God the policeman in the sky or God who the 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 clockmaker is one image I've heard like set wound everything up in Genesis 1 and just go and just retreats into the background you know the, the big guy upstairs you've heard people talk about God like that or God is everywhere right he's so everywhere that he is diffused and anyone got one of those diffusers in your home that just sort of the smell comes from somewhere. We're not really sure where, but it's just everywhere and you can't locate the source anymore. Like God's everywhere. He's in the trees. He's in nature. And, and absolutely, we'll see in this psalm in a, in a moment that, that all of creation speaks, declares God's glory. And yet God is not a tree. God is not just out there somewhere. In fact, the beauty and the majesty and the mind-bending part about Christianity is it's the only faith that puts these two thoughts together. That says God is both higher than anything we can possibly imagine and He's both nearer, He's also nearer than any created being. He is 
he is distant, in, in, as in he is supreme over all creation, and yet he is in it all and holding it all together and closer to you than your own thoughts. And we put these two together, and that's the journey we're on as followers of Jesus. As you dive into the Word this year, can I encourage you to hold those two things in tension? To see at the same time what is being revealed to you is a transcendent God who is beyond anything that you could possibly imagine. And so it can speak to any situation in your world, but also calls you into the bigness of His creation and His plan. And yet He is so near and real that He knows exactly what's going on in your world. And He cares. He's not one or the other. It's not like we said about citizenship rights or responsibilities. Both come together. Otherwise, it gets really messy. Now, I've got to bring us to a close in just a moment. But let's just unpack a couple more little passages of Scripture together first. You know, as you read the Bible this year, you're connecting in new and fresh ways with God, but also with ancient ways. You're jumping into the, the pool, the stream, the river of redemptive history and reading what was written to groups of people like us centuries ago and also a part of what God is doing in a powerful and a fresh way in, here and, in the here and now. You know, this, this picture people have of who God is was brought home really powerfully to, to many people in the 1960s. I'm not going to ask if anyone remembers this. Uh, this time. I won't, I won't uh, make you do that. But, but just over 60 years ago, a guy by the name of Yuri Gagarin, anyone know this? A, a Russian guy, a, a cosmonaut, did what had been completely unthinkable up to that point. He left the Earth's atmosphere and he became the first man in space. And that, in a lot of ways, was quite transformative for humanity. For the longest time, mankind had looked up and was in awe of the star, of this realm, often called the heavens, you know, just out there. We don't understand it, but there's something out there. And then all of a sudden, man got in a, got in a metal tube and shot up into and escaped the Earth's atmosphere and entered that realm, the heavens, this space, just got outside the orbit and amongst the stars a little bit. And soon after that, there's a little bit of debate about who actually said it, whether it was Yuri Gagarin himself or one of the communist leaders at the time said, well, we've been to space and we did not see God there. As if God is just a little bit beyond our human experience, right? As if we could just, oh, if I just hop up on maybe this bit of the stage, I'm just feels like a, a sacred zone up here. I just, I'm just going to do it, Jeff, is right just up here and maybe I'm a little closer to God because I just got that little bit, that little bit further up, but I'm probably out of the live stream now. So, um, and, you know, the big guy upstairs as if, as if we just reached out and nearly got to God. C.S. Lewis, who's a really f famous Christian author, incredible thinker, he wrote a response to that line of thought back then. And he said something like this. He said, if there is a God who created the world and us, I could no more meet him by just sort of climbing up the stairs to the next apartment than Hamlet could meet Shakespeare. If Hamlet wants to prove there is a Shakespeare, he can't go and do it in a lab. 
nor is he going to be able to find Shakespeare by going up to the top of the stage. The only way he will know something about Shakespeare is if Shakespeare writes something about himself into the play. Isn't that a cool thought? If Shakespeare was to reveal himself to Hamlet, Hamlet has no capacity to know Shakespeare. If you're not familiar with that, if you're too young, there's some homework for you. It'll make sense later. The penny will drop, I promise. The only way that Hamlet could know Shakespeare is if Shakespeare revealed himself, wrote himself into the picture, which is what the God of the Christian faith has done in Jesus. He sent his son, the word, the Logos, into our story. Not distant and removed, not just diffused through all of creation, but both of those things together in the person of Jesus Christ. It's technically called the incarnation. You celebrate it, you know, in December usually around Christmas and cards with a beautiful, cute little baby that was really a declaration of war. There was nothing that cute about it, actually. It was the event that transformed history. The incarnation, God in human form, revolutionary. This God who came near, God who self-revealed. You see, you know a little bit about me after our time together today, but you don't really know me, most of you. People who know, really know me, I'm sitting over here, Zach knows me a little more than you guys and, and probably even than Jeff and Roe, we spend time with him, but I'll probably spend more time with Zach. And then when my family really know me, they know more about me because I've revealed more of myself to them. They don't just know a title that I have or a job that I do or the clothes that they saw me in or I could tell you that, hey, I love photography and and so that's something more you know about me, but it doesn't, still doesn't mean you really know me. And the only way you can know me is if I reveal myself to you. And that is what God has done and will continue to do through this, through His Word. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. As you read this, you don't just read stories about people doing things at a point in history. You read the story of God and His people. You see over and over and over again, God revealing who He is, but not who He is just distant and removed, who He is in relation to His creation, in relation to you and I who are made in His image. God is self-revealing. No other God. No other religion, no other faith or belief claims that. We serve a God who self-reveals, who shows Himself in Jesus fully to us. Hebrews 1, we've got to get really quickly through this because we've got to get to Psalm 19. Promise we'll finish. Hebrews 1 says that God speaks through His Son. It's this, long ago, God spoke in many times, spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets, major and minor prophets, right? Later in the year, buckle up for that. It's a lot of fun. But now, in these final days, He has spoken to us. How? Through His Son. God promised everything to the Son as inheritance. And through the Son, He created the universe. It's like another one of these big and small verses. It's like a mind bender spoken directly to us through the person of Jesus, His Son. You could touch Him. And if you went to, if you went to 1 John 1, you'd, you'd find John writing that. You'd, you'd say He's the one that we've touched. He's the one we knew from the beginning, but we've touched Him and we've seen Him. 
But then it says he radiates God's own glory, expresses the very character of God and sustains, here's that thought again, everything by the power of his command. And when he cleanses from our sins, he sat down in the place of honour at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Both incredibly real and near and yet supreme over all creation. Every time you read the word, that's the God that you are connecting with. That's the God who is revealing himself to you. Supreme, so far above any of our thoughts and anything we're facing, and yet so real and so near. So being given this remarkable picture of the Logos, of Jesus, of God revealed to us through his word. And let's finish up together. We're reading Psalm 19 here. And as I do that, I'll get the the, um, band to come back up just so they can chase me off the stage. And Psalm 19, I I love this psalm. It's got some profound thoughts in it, but I've always found it a bit jarring. It kind of almost doesn't make sense. It jumps around a bit too much. Let's read it together and see what you think. It says, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display His craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make Him known. They speak without a sound or a word. Their voice isn't heard, yet their message has gone out through the earth and all the word, and, and their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end, especially on days like today. Nothing can hide from its heat. This is, a, this is the cosmic God, right? This is the big picture God revealed in creation. If it stopped there, we have this God who we can sort of appreciate. And remember, you've got to understand when this was written. When this was written, every culture, like no one didn't believe in the gods. But they, the gods were the sun and the moon and the stars. And so when, when Genesis 1 says God created all those things, that's no one else said that. They were the gods, but God created the things that other people thought were the gods. So we've got this cosmic picture, but that's too distant and removed. What comes next? It's like we've changed gears completely. We've just grabbed something and another thought and shoved in. The instructions of the Lord are perfect. Hang on, we we're just talking about the sun. Instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold. Even the finest gold, they're sweeter than honey. Even honey dripping from the comb. They're a warning to your servant and a great reward for those who obey them. That's like a totally different passage of thought, it feels like. Talked about the sun and the moon, stars, creation. Bang, then we're straight into God's laws and His ways. And now we change gears again without feeling like there's any bridge here at all. How can I know the sins lurking in my heart? Hang on, where did that come from? me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. 
then I'll be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. And this final verse, this is what one of the verses I love in the psalm goes. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It's another translation of that final verse that says, every movement of my heart. Think about that. Every fleeting thought, everything you're drawn to or that captivates you or that everything you kind of feel or you wonder, every, you know, the heart is a fickle thing. All of its little movements. All of that, may it please you, Lord. So can I leave you with this, this thought that I feel like this psalm, I feel like I've maybe finally understood this psalm. It starts out reminding us that God is great and transcendent and above all and in all and through all. And it finishes up more personal than any of us would usually be able to think. The very movements of my heart starts at the highest level and ends at the most intimate level. And the bridge in the middle of it is knowing God through His Word. So the picture that that gives me is that I need to be reminded of how great our God is, that He's above all and in all and through all. And I need to walk in His ways. I need to know and trust Him so intimately. And what's going to help me most to do that is knowing Him through His Word, is having His ways to walk in. Not my own ideas, not just being able to look up at the stars and, oh, that's nice, God must be really big. Not just making God in my image and saying, well, He's so near, all He cares about is what I want, but to actually find the bridge in His revelation of Himself. God, the God who self-reveals, who shows Himself through His Word. Now to finish up, can, can we do something active together? I want to just go back, just let me take me a minute, through that middle chunk there. And this is, this is what it says. It says this about the Word of God, that it revives the soul, that it makes the wise simple, that it brings joy to the heart, that it gives insight for living. These are just a few of the things. So essentially in our response today is in the form of an altar call almost. As I read that back through, I'm going to just pause on each one of those things and can I ask you to maybe stand to your feet if you feel like that's what God is saying to you today, that that's how He wants to speak to you through His Word. Maybe it's in this season. Maybe it's just today what He's laid on your heart. Maybe just like, hey, I really get that. Just as a sense of response, a bit like saying, hey, let's go on this journey. And then we'll just pray and hand back to Pastor Jeff and Ro. Okay, so it starts like this. The instructions of the Lord are perfect. Reviving the soul. Who's that for here today? Reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy. Here's me. Making wise the simple. Who needs some wisdom? Who's receiving wisdom in God's Word? Maybe this is something that is in your world and wisdom is the cry of your heart right now. It's in His Word. 
The commandments of the Lord are right. Here we go, bringing joy to the heart. Who's finding joy in God's Word this year? Hey, Who's going to come alive sitting with God in His Word? The commandments of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Maybe you've got deep questions. Maybe there's situations facing you and you, that's exactly what you're believing for, insight. Then let me just kind of pray and declare this over you from the rest of this psalm. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They're sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They're a warning to your servant. And Lord Jesus, we pray and declare over C3 Bathurst, over every person here today, over those who are here for the first time, those joining us online, those who are finding themselves maybe wearying on the journey of following You, that, Lord, Your Word is a reward for those who walk by it. Lord, we are so expectant of the way You're going to speak to us and reveal Yourself in 2024.